0: I was chasing the ball, and I fell into that. I'm really sorry. You admit you did that, freely. I'm with Starfleet. We don't lie. It won't happen again. We apologize. We're sorry, too. But that changes nothing.
1: Careful, Commander. They've got some strange laws here. I thought you reviewed their laws.
0: But they listed nothing about punishment.
1: One moment, please. Transfer complete.
0: Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith, and
1: joining me on the not-so-popular bridge... This is Tyler Orton, putting on his mask and putting on another mask, and then taking that mask off and putting another one on.
0: (laughs) And we're here this week... To rank the worst of the worst Star Trek
1: episodes. Yeah, we just did, you know, the greatest of the great Star Trek episodes. And so we're going to go back and do kind of, I guess, the inverse of that. We're culling all these numbers and these rankings from IMDb. Uh, It's kind of based on whatever IMDb users say. We're going through every single series. Uh, Cam, is the cutoff 6.1 and then below? Is that kind of what we decided on? That's correct. Yeah,
0: I know. Initially, when we were talking about this episode, we thought we might have to go a little higher, but not the case. There's a
1: lot of episodes that Star Trek fans were quite pissed off about. <laughs> yeah, look, I I think there might have to be some honorable mentions or maybe dishonorable mentions uh, at the end. There, there's a couple on this list that did not make it, and they are not very good episodes as well. Um, so for for uh, listeners, j- just keep in mind. Um, we're gonna start with um the better episodes of the worst so as our list goes on it's how we feel that they're going to be getting progressively worse and worse and worse as we go along so you may agree you may disagree for me camp like i am pretty solid on my top i'd say my top nine or ten i have room for a little bit of uh, flexibility and otherwise i um I'm, i'm very very solid on my top two for sure for sure
0: I feel, in terms of like what I ranked as like the worst of the worst for each series, I'm pretty confident in my choices. I don't feel like I was, you know, all over the place. It wasn't like I was just being handed, you know, multiple flavors that all tasted like you know mush, and I had to choose which one was the worst of everything else, seeming the same. It felt like there was some that very much stood out to me as the worst. One thing I'll say though is like. I feel like there's going to be some episodes I'm going to defend and saying like, you know, this episode's doing things we don't at least get to see normally on Star Trek. But then on the flip side, I feel like there's going to be episodes I hate that I'm going to say this episode is not doing things I normally see on the show. And that's for a good reason. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it'll be fun because I think you and I will probably not see eye to eye just because these episodes are so variously bad and we may have different reasons for uh, liking some of them a little bit more than others and i also think that our picks will probably like uh baffle a lot of the listeners this will be a fun one though i I really am looking forward to this and of course we'll have a blog post with the entire list available as well in the coming uh well it should be up once you guys listen to this and uh yeah cam um i think you started last time is that correct correct so you get to kick us off here what is the worst episode The 35th (laughs) <laughs> uh, what is this, 35th not good Star Trek episode? I don't even know how to uh, say this. <laughs> my my favorite episode out of the yeah. 35 worst has to be Deep Space Nine's Move Along Home, which I think is just so unfairly maligned oh, among Star Trek fandom. I have no problems putting this at the top of my worst list here. Cam, how am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. Why am I wrong? I think this one, Like I find this a much tougher slog to get through than you,
0: so... I can totally appreciate that for you it has a certain amount of um, camp value, perhaps, or just enjoyability. I find this one rough. Uh, Like, it's one where it wants to be very lighthearted and kind of fun and surrealistic, and I'm just like, please,
1: will it end? Why won't it end? It's just, it's so dopey, you know, that the Deep Space Nine crew gets trapped in a game, and then we get to the very end of it, and uh, they... The aliens just reveal, eh, don't worry, you're never in any danger. This is just a game. I, I know that can be annoying uh, as a viewer. I think maybe nostalgia is playing a part in this for me. Um, I don't care. Uh, this one, I, the way I kind of render my list, though, is I, I went through all the episodes that we've uh, kind of aggregated for IMDb. And then I just asked myself, which one do I want to watch more? You know, and then I just kind of lined up the list that way. So this one, um, out of all the ones that we have here, this is the one that I would want to watch more than anyone else that we have. So, Cam, what is number 34 for you? So I have an answer like yours that I'm like,
0: this episode does not belong with the rest of these. And that is Spock's brain from the original series. This is, to me... A camp episode that is so much fun like i could easily just throw on spock's brain right after recording this episode and i would enjoy myself i would never be annoyed does it fit in well with the other greats of star trek the original series no but as a silly star
1: trek episode this is pretty top tier entertainment for me i i look uh this one is uh maybe not quite there Um, But I honestly have it fairly high up on my list of the uh, the better ones. This is just pure camp value. It is maybe a lot of people watch this and just assume this is regular Star Trek because they associate it with so much camp. Um, It's dopey, but I I thought move along home is dopey. I I think this one I I I can take your word when you say this is kind of has more of that fun camp value to it as well. Okay, mm-hmm. right, so for me, uh, next up is a uh, threshold from one Star Trek Voyager. Uh, for the longest time, I just despised this one, but uh, you got me to come around on it, and like you're just pointing out how silly it is to watch Tom Paris turn into a lizard. He ends up on Salamander Planet where his babies uh, jump into the little pond, always to be left there and evolve in their own way uh, after uh, he and uh, Janeway made it. And at the very end of it, uh, it was great when Janeway had that awesome line How do you know that you initiated the mating ritual, Mr. Paris? You know, like, um, this episode is bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. I I question some of the canon of it all, but it's fun enough. It's stupid enough. Give this another chance going into it, thinking, or or realizing and accepting it is pretty dumb.
0: Well, it's an episode that, like Spock's brain, has become iconic. Everyone knows the salamander babies or the Tom Paris as he's mutating, whatever, mid-mutation. But, like, This is also pure Brandon Braga, and I know he's known for a lot of great episodes, but like, Brandon Braga is a horror guy. He talks about how that is what he is obsessed with as a fan. He's not a Star Trek guy originally, he's a horror guy, and he's bringing all those influences from, you know, Cronenberg films over to this episode. The man is just exercising all his geeky demons on screen, and I enjoy it for that, because Does it fit well within the realm of Star Trek? Maybe not. But it's highly personal, I think, for him. And it's weird as hell. Like, some of the episodes on this list are, like, you almost have to read a Wikipedia synopsis to be like, what was that episode again? Whereas this one,
1: it has personality. Genuine personality. There are a couple episodes that will hit where um, they are notorious in fandom, which makes me wonder, can they really be considered, like, of the worst? And I'd have to say, if they give enough kind of value to viewers, I maybe they're not so bad as people have concocted in their brains over the years. But Cam, what is number 32 here, sir? Sorry, I'll just say too, a lot of fans
0: we've met um, at cons and stuff are really into the science of Star Trek, so I understand why Threshold drives them crazy. I'll say that much. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. So for number 32, I'm going to put an animated uh, episode, and that is the Infinite Vulcan from the original animated series from the 70s. This is one that, honestly, when we were looking at the lowest-ranking Star Trek episodes on IMDb, I was kind of surprised at some of these animated series episodes, because it's not like, look, they aren't hallmarks of the franchise, but I was like, well, that's a totally serviceable episode. Like, that doesn't really belong among... (laughs) I don't think a lot of fans would put it next to, like, you know, um, Spock's brain or Threshold, for example. But Infinite Vulcan? I don't know. It's a serviceable adventure story. You've got a giant Spock
1: in there. I I think it's fine. It's one of those episodes where if they had the budget to do it back in the day during the original series run, I I, I think it's kind of fit, fitting with the tone of the series. I can kind of understand how it goes. Is this one that uh, Walter Koenig wrote? Does he have a writing credit on this one or another one that might be on our list uh, further up?
0: Oh, God. I... <sighs> I'm
1: feeling right now like it's this episode. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. props to you, Walter Canig, if this is the one that you wrote and Cam and I, uh, yeah, we don't necessarily dislike it so much. Like, I would not
0: have put it on a worse list. If I were to remove episodes from the, you know, the
1: 35 we've accumulated, it would have been some of these animated ones. Uh-huh. Well, for me, uh next up is Imaginary Friend. I get it. <laughs> this is not a good episode. But to me, it just feels like um, a mediocre TNG. A lot of the real bad TNG episodes are the ones that just drag the ones where I'm just like, you know, kind of pulling my hair out saying like, how long until this episode is over? This one's kind of dumb in which we have the uh, new uh, girl, like she's newly assigned with her Starfleet father aboard the ship. And this alien starts kind of appearing before her in a childlike form as well. It's dumb. It doesn't really tell a story of the main crew so much, but you know what? I, I, I don't. I find this episode perfectly harmless versus a lot of the other episodes for on the, further on the list. Like they're just either a complete drag to watch or they do a real disservice to either the universe, the world building, or just, you know, the kind of the characters and, and, and who we know them as.
0: It's an episode that feels like the writers were like, Hey, let's try something different. And they did it. it. Didn't really work. And they said, Oh, fair enough. That one just, you know, didn't pan out. But I don't know, like I'm not against TNG or any Star Trek show trying some things different. I thought this episode was fine. It doesn't, it doesn't offend me, but I also see how, like, sometimes I think when the writers try something that feels quite different, it can really grate on people. And I think that's the case for this
1: episode winding up so low on IMDb. I think a lot of people like Star Trek as comfort food, and this one ne- isn't necessarily their go-to comfort food episode amongst uh, Star Trek uh, adventures. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's fair, yeah. So next for me, I just have another animated one I'm going to toss off, and that's Bem which is an episode where we meet an alien life form who can detach his limbs. He's kind of quirky. He helps the crew escape. And he's voiced by Jimmy Doohan in a really fun vocal performance. Um, It's kind of an episode where not a lot happens. It's a little bit repetitive. It's a little bit of just animated hijinks. But I don't know. I really f- enjoy this one just for the Jimmy Doohan performance and the kind of quirky character who I would be more than happy to see Bem pop up on Lower Decks or, you know, another member of Bem's species show up.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you're only, like, one place away from where I hide this ranked. I, this one is perfectly innocuous to me. Um, I, the whole time I was watching this, I, I kept thinking about, I uh, remember uh, TDK from The Suicide Squad, uh, the movie that just came out, Cam? And it was, like, yeah. very, very similar uh, powers the alien and the superhero possess here, supervillain possess. Yeah, oh, Totally uh next up for me I, again this is more a mediocre deep space 9 adventure it, it's not super offensive it's mostly just a real drag of an episode to watch and this is the storyteller in which you know we have uh <laughs> chief o'brien on that bajuran like kind of farming outpost and it's it's just a it's so dumb you know and it's just, it has a lot to do with the weather um, i don't care um you know that's pretty much my thoughts on this one this is a very 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 forgettable season one adventure for deep space nine
0: i would have ranked this one a little closer to the worst list but i can totally understand why you put it here because it does feel a little bit like generic star trek where they're still trying to figure out the identity of the show so i think that's totally fair um i will say this it does have memorable images just the storytelling sequences despite the fact that I'm bored out of my brain when I watch this episode, I will
1: never forget the image of the storytelling. So it, it gave me that. I'll I'll just point out this one doesn't um you know kind of take liberties with the character of O'Brien. And a lot of the episodes that we'll be talking about later on, they they really do not represent the characters, um, you know, in a good way. Or else the characters are just behaving in stupid ways to further the plot. This episode is just O'Brien acting like O'Brien. So this is why I, I kind of have it ranked higher than some of the other ones that we'll get to. Fair enough. Well, my next one for number 28, I'm choosing
0: The Way to Eden, ...from the original series, which is the, of course, Space Hippie episode. This one, I guess, for me, also falls in that kind of threshold territory... ...where it's weird, but it's iconically weird. And I I enjoy the Chekhov story in here with uh, his former girlfriend. We've got some amazing musical sequences that are, for some reason, always entertaining for me to watch. you have got Charles Napier looking really
1: goofy. It's 60s, it's crazy, but it's really memorable... But the only problem is, is this episode is like, what, 52, 53 minutes long? And you feel all of those minutes. Like, that's my issue. What's the problem, Tyler? What's the problem? (laughs) I I did have this one lower. I I know what you're saying. And like, it's just like bonkers nuts. You know, I get it. It, it, It's memorable enough, but I'm just like, it it feels a little bit like a slog to me. Uh, I've seen it once. I don't feel the need necessarily to revisit this one.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's not an episode I turn on every weekend, but when I'm doing my runs through the original series, I never skip this one. Like, it's always one that I'm like, you know
1: what? Let's go back there, so. Th- okay. uh, th- this one might be a bit of a controversial pick. Um, it, It's not a good episode. Uh, maybe I'm ranking it too high, but I have Let He Who's Without Sin from Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine. Um, this one, it, 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 I think it rankles a lot of fans because Worf just starts acting like stupid just for the sake of forwarding the plot, which is one of those tropes in storytelling that I absolutely hate. But we also find some very dark things out about Worf, in which like he accidentally killed a boy when he was like eight years old playing soccer a little too rough. Um, you know, th- this this isn't the best of Deep Space Nine, but I I don't have a problem. Popping this one in, you know, DVD, watching an afternoon, because there, there's enough weird stuff going on with other people, you know, like uh, like uh, uh, Bashir breaking up with, uh, oh, uh, what is Chase Masterson's character's name again? Uh, Lita, you know, like just some weird things. They have to go on a, rich, a breakup ritual. Like It's just like some of those strange things going on that I'm like, okay, there's enough character going on in this episode that I could, I, I, it's not so harsh for, for me to rewatch this one. I think I've watched this one like three times already. Yeah, it's an episode that, like, um
0: it was actually, for me, ranked as the best of what we had for inclusion for DS9. And I don't really have a problem with this one. It's obviously, it doesn't do what it really could be doing with this whole Vacation Planet concept. There's obviously storytelling that really does get kind of lame. But I don't know. Like, it has fun little bits like Quark in here. Um... The whole Lita Bashir stuff is kind of fun. There's the odd moment with Jadzia and Worf. I don't know. In terms of character moments, it gives me just enough that I go, oh, that's not a total waste. I'm not bored out of my mind with
1: that one. Yeah, I don't think it deserves to be ranked as low as it is uh, by IMDB users who gave it a 5.6 rating, which that's pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I think I'm just going to close out the animated episodes here with the magics of Megas 2, which... Is another episode. This was the lowest rank of any of the um, animated episodes, but I've always kind of admired a children's show that introduces uh, Satan onto the show and poses him as a science fiction, ca- you know, alien character who's very mischievous. This episode is daring. It's kind of interesting. It does get a little boring, I find, in the back half, but I don't know. I mean, just in terms of concept, you got to kind of give them a, a bit of an applause there for putting that on 70s children's TV. Do we?
1: I, yes okay i th- i thought I-, I thought this one was just so like mind numbing to watch and like when you're introducing the idea of magic as if it could be a thing but satan's explaining like oh within this universe this is how you would describe magic i'm just like oh really Then we have kind of like the Salem witch trials going on and like the the crew, they're in stockades around a pentagram. It's like
0: everything you are describing, I don't understand why this isn't on our best of the best episodes. Okay. (laughs)
1: Honestly, just like within the first like three minutes of this episode, I was just like, oh, I am, I am out. I am out. Uh, This is not for me. This one was ranked much further down um, than you have it. And I mean much further down, but I I can accept what you're saying. The show's going for it. Have at it, folks. You know, uh, yeah. And look, we're closing out uh, the animated series. The animated series, I I generally find pretty innocuous. And like, it, it is kind of strange how it has been dismissed as non canon over the years. But we talked about it like a couple months ago. But David Gerald, one of the writers for both the original series, early TNG, as well as the animated series, he said that when they were writing it at the time, they always consider it to be canon, even though that's not exactly kind of the pop culture term that was common back then. And he said it, he he inferred that it was actually Gene Roddenberry's old assistant um, that's kind of uh, declared on behalf of Gene Roddenberry that the animated series is not considered canon. And I think that's kind of like one person just making this executive decision and i i I rather ignore what that one person is saying i i consider the animated series to be canon now and it's taken me many a year to come around on that
0: yeah like i don't know that there's a lot in the animated series that really you know bumps up against established canon of star trek anyway like there is the odd episode where you might have to say well this is a little more fanciful than what we would actually see in the world of Star Trek. But by and large, that's not really the case. It's more like they just really get creative with their alien designs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, look, I would say an episode like Turnabout Intruder, in which we are told that women cannot command starships in the 23rd century, I think that makes way less sense in terms of canon within the universe and the world building as we know it, than all these adventures that we've had with the animated series. Definitely. All righty. Well, next up on my list, Cam, I'm, I'm going to Voyager. I think this might be my first Voyager pick since Threshold. This one is mostly innocuous as well. I think it's another one that you kind of came, uh, got me to come around on. This is One Favorite Son featuring Harry Kim in one of his first breakout episodes. Um, this is a dumb episode. I remember hating it the first watch, but it, it's... It, it it's memorable enough in which he's told that um you know like he's really a space alien who was who, who kind of like sent to Earth back back in the day. It's kind of like the uh, the Superman sort of vibes going for it. It's very obvious to everyone that as he's on this planet with uh, women that just like want his body so bad. Uh, that that's not what's really going on, Harry. I, I I get annoyed with storytelling where it's so obvious to everyone but the main character what the real deal is. But this one is just dumb enough. Just you know uh, in. Innocuous enough that I don't mind having it so high up on the list.
0: This is an episode that for me definitely falls in the fun, bad episode category where I always snicker whenever I watch this one of just some of the really awkward, sexy scenes they write for Harry. It's pretty amazing stuff. Like a lot of them, though, it does kind of wear out its welcome. By the end of that hour, you're kind of like, okay, let's wrap it up. But for the good parts of the journey, I'm having fun. And going right along that line of thought, The next one I'm going to put for number 24, Justice, from TNG. Um, This is an episode where Wesley crushes flowers. That's what this episode is built around. But just think of the fun of the Edo planet. There's a reason when we go to the con, you know, people would dress up as the Edo and be running around the uh, convention area through the entire, you know, weekend. Like... There's so much that's fun here, but like Favorite Son, it does wear out its welcome by the end. A lot of the stuff that's going on in terms of the the trial and everything, you kind of go, okay, this is pretty poor writing, and it's not exactly the most electric thing to watch. It is not the second coming of the drumhead, or I guess the precursor to the drumhead. But, uh, you know, this episode is pretty uh, uh,
1: entertaining for me. There's one reason I will push back against you on this. I had it much further down on my list, uh, and you alluded to it. Um, All the fun stuff that you're talking about happened in the first half of the episode. Mm -hmm. You get into the second half of the episode and you have the alien god stuff and they're all uh, in the observation lounge talking to the Edo people. It is just brutal. It is just one of those early season slogs. I I keep looking at my watch. When is this going to end? All the fun stuff is long behind us if the rest of the episode just kind of turned out like just like the the silly ito stuff um i could go for it but i th- this one is just not good storytelling overall and you kind of alluded to that as well but I, I just couldn't have it as high up on the list here and i think this would be number 24 okay well next up for me i have a, a voyager episode I, again um it's not super offensive to the characters or what they're doing. It's more of just a slog. But because they don't really ruin any characters for me, I I, I got to go Sacred Ground here at number 23. This one is you know, where it, it's essentially Janeway fighting um, for, I, I believe it was Kes's, uh right t, uh, to keep living or something. I, I don't know. Like I, I watched this like once <laughs> back in the 90s. It was terrible. Don't need to revisit it again, I know. But it, it's mostly just like one of those kind of episodes where... You can just watch it, fold your laundry, it's totally fine. There's nothing about this episode that actually makes me angry. Whereas we're going to be getting, we're very close to getting to the episodes that start making me angry very, very soon. Okay, yeah, I've got another one to
0: check off that falls right along the same lines. Sacred Ground, honestly, like, my memories of it are being bored. Like, that's almost all I remember from this episode. Um, so it, it doesn't stand out to me as a real glaring one. Like, it's not an episode that pissed me off. Yeah, it's just kind of a middling episode of Voyager. But I have a middling episode of DS9, I think, to get us closer to the crossover into the angry episodes. And that's Resurrection, the return of Beryl in the Mirror Universe. Um this one, it's not the most entertaining, but there is a certain novelty just to the fact they brought back Fetic Beral. Like it's so weird that they were like, we've got the mirror universe, we can bring back any character, what do we want to do? A barile Showcase. And I don't know, like, I I kind of appreciate that it exists. Uh, It's also always fun to see the Intendant. She gets some fun moments here. Uh, This episode does not piss me off. I think I would have to go back and revisit the Mirror Universe episodes, but I just feel like my patience wore thinner, maybe for, like, the uh, Emperor's New Cloak. Um, than it did for this one. Not that to say that this is a good episode, but more than just that one, I was more like, okay, let's just wrap this thing up. Whereas this one, I was like, nah, whatever.
1: I would happily watch em- Emperor's New Cloak like four or five times before repeating uh, Resurrection. Uh, this one's just boring and it- it's also just a wonder that uh, they bring Brial back and he's from the Mirror Universe and it's with the express purpose of giving this guy a little bit of personality. Um, he does not accomplish that even coming from the mirror universe you know how dare you (laughs) i know i know but this one is just like it's such a bottle episode there's not a lot going on look they kind of blew their budget with uh the dominion uh six episode dominion uh war arc that was going on plus the uh, wedding episode is right before this you know i think they had to do a bottle episode and it kind of felt like one of the less ingenious bottle episodes that we've gotten over the years yeah, we talked about this one when we did our follow up episodes. Because yeah, what? Sorry, what aired before this one? Well, it was is the wedding episode between Worf and uh, Jadzia. Right. Yeah, why am I blanking on the name? I'm usually pretty good. It's uh, you are cordially invited. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Next up for me, sir. It is Elogium from Voyager, in which Kes kind of goes through this sort of uh, ocumpan puberty. I guess it was in which she's ready for baby making, and it, it kind of sparked a little early this is around sacred ground territory for me except this one is like th- i think it's considerably more of a slog uh, to watch than sacred ground if only for the fact that Kess is not acting like her usual st- self and i don't like it when characters agency is snatched away from them just because of effects of things that they cannot control you know, like, that is what really bugs me about Elogium. But this might be getting into kind of the uh, the last kick of the can uh, before we get into the episodes that start making me angry, because we're going to be in the top 20 after this.
0: Yeah, uh, this episode, it's so goofy. And in some ways, it wants to be fairly sincere, and it just doesn't succeed. And yeah, not not a good outing for Kes. And Kes had some poor episodes along the way. This is probably her worst. Um, Actually, no, Fury's her worst. But this one is pretty darn close. So, uh, I think next for me... Uh, another one that's like... It's, it's silly and stupid, but it doesn't make me angry. And that's Manhunt from the second season of TNG. It's a um, Luxana Troy episode where she comes back and is trying to win over Picard and everything. And honestly, it's a type of episode that's like very poor Star Trek. But I get a cer- uh, certain amount of enjoyment just watching Picard look flustered and Patrick Stewart kind of play up the comedy of the situation. But as an episode of Star Trek, it's pretty low bar.
1: Yeah, I look, I, I, I do like the stuff with like kind of the fish aliens. Like that was interesting. Uh, I think Mick Fleetwood even played one, which was pretty cool. But beyond that, I, I don't know if you're if this is the introduction of Loxana. I think it's pretty representative of what we're getting from this character for her next seven or eight appearances that she's on this series.
0: I think her first, was in season one, it was Haven, I think. Oh, was that it? This was like the second, but Uh, this is where it really doubled down on the her pursuing uh,
1: Picard stuff. uh, Okay. Well, you're not selling me on this episode, I'll tell you that much, sir. (laughs) Okay, so this is my last one before we get into the ones that make me more on the angry side of things. Um, this is Extinction from Enterprise in which they all kind of turn into like their equivalent of like cavemen sort of deals or like, like more like primitive species. It's not quite there with Genesis, which I thought was actually a much superior episode from TNG. It's just it's dumb Enterprise, but I think there are way worse episodes of Enterprise than we have here with Extinction. I'm not saying this is great, but it doesn't quite rile me up so much.
0: Yeah, it's the sort of episode that I feel like I should hate more, just given how dull it is to sit through, but it's not really that grating. I remember there was another episode of Enterprise, which wasn't up for consideration, where it's like them underground with some, some aliens the whole episode, and it's like the biggest bore. Like, it may be the most boring episode in the history of Enterprise. Like, that one to me is much more egregious than this one, where... It's it's kind of slow and takes its time, you know, more than it really needs to. But you do have the crew doing weird alien voices and stuff and in, in prosthetics. That's something. It's something, I guess. It's, it's I don't something. Know. <laughs> it's definitely something. Um, uh, so I think here, I'm just going to tick off another one that's like a bad episode that um, it, it doesn't offend me and it gave us an iconic moment, I suppose. And that's Angel 1. From early TNG, we get Riker in the sexy sequined outfit or whatever it was. This is like kind of just one of those season one TNG episodes where it's like we're trying to replicate what TOS did with sort of gimmick planets. And it's just falling flat. And I don't know. There's bits and pieces that are goofy here, but I don't know. It's just not one that jumps out to me. Yeah,
1: but... Even at the time, I, I'm sure it was terrible to watch. But like, it's it, it has not aged well. When we're talking about these patriarchal versus matriarchal societies, and you see how the women uh, actresses are, are being told to kind of act in, in masculine ways, and, and they hire, you know, like male actors on Angel One that that are obviously being directed to act in more kind of uh, sorts of kind of fey sor- sorts of ways, and I'm just just the stereotypes going on. You, you, you know, you don't need to have testosterone just blasting through your body to, uh, you know, kind of think of yourself as more masculine or feminine. You know, it's just like this one is just like, this is one of the ones that kind of makes me angrier just because it just it's so of its time. But even back then, I think it was outdated.
0: Yeah, oh, it definitely does not hold up at all, and uh, it's problematic to the core, for sure.
1: So, Cam, next up here on my list, uh, but we're right on the cusp. This is making me angry. Every other one on my list, though, it, it does it make me angry, though. But this is Aquiel. This is just that uh, mm. can't make it happen with a woman yet again, uh, and he's so creepy in this, uh, this episode in which he gets infatuated with watching Aquiel, the junior officer who went... Missing and apparently died after this incident on a space station. He's watching her personal records, learning so much about her. And then they do this weird sex crystal sort of ritual, which is just bizarre to watch. We find out it was like the dog the entire time, some sort of like alien shapeshifter. It was just, this episode's like so poor but it's like it's not like jordy ever has that much to work with you know they keep giving him a lot of the same stuff to do and it just doesn't work out very well i i I, you know what i'm screw it this does make me angry the aquila is an episode that makes me angry
0: yeah i mean it's a real slog to get through and it has really bad jordy stuff i i guess the kindest thing i can say for this episode is that the twist of the dog being responsible is kind of fun because you just don't really see it coming it has a little bit of that the thing kind of vibe, um, but beyond that, uh, that and the scene of Riker walking in when they're using the sex crystal, there's nothing that's at all memorable to me about this
1: episode. It's funny because, like, it was actually like a last minute decision to make the dog, uh, the bad guy. They, they just the writers got to the end and they're like, Yeah, they're gonna make dog the dog like geordie's permanent pet aboard the D. And then at the end, they're like, I don't know, the, the dog was there the entire time. Why don't we just make the dog the uh, baddie? And they are the writers were all like, okay, sure. So it's just so little thought was put into that. And even decisions like that just kind of proves that. And that's kind of maybe the more interesting twist of it all.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we're at the tipping point now into, like, legendarily bad Star Trek episodes. Yeah. But there's just one more, I think. Uh, like, too short a season from season one with the, like, elderly admiral who's going backwards. Like... <laughs> it's terrible but it doesn't kind of belong in the it's not worth elevating to the hallmarks of the worst of star trek because it's not that memorable
1: what it's also it doesn't do like a disservice to our main characters it's mostly just a boring journey with some guy that we don't care about whatsoever with a really dumb conceit as he tries to de-age, take that de-aging drug. So I'm just like, this is a whatever sort of episodes, but it is such a slog.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this one, let's just knock that one off before we head into the legendary
1: uh, titles here. Okay, I'm, I'm an angry person now. Um, This one is probably much further down on your list. I know you've just, like, railed against this one uh, so many times, but I'm going to Voyager and I'm going with The Fight in which... <gasps> Chicote is sparring uh in like this imaginary like kind of dimension sort of thing with aliens trying to communicate, uh, and Boothby's there for some reason, his grandfather's there for some reason. This episode makes no sense. It is a slog. Um, this is a perfect episode to just like uh w- you know do your laundry to, but it's not as if Chicote acts out of character. And a lot of this stuff as we move through this is with a lot of characters uh not acting like themselves, if only to further the plots. And that's why I have this one I ranked, I think, a lot higher up than maybe you would have.
0: Yeah, I would have had this real low. Real low. This one I found punishing to even get through the first time. I've never revisited it. Uh, I, I guess I will one day. I remember once I saw, though, that someone had done their own um, custom action figures based on this episode. And it was like <laughs> a, boxing, a boxing Chakotay figure. And they made their own packaging that said, like, the fight. And... I will say, as much as I hate this episode, all the props in the world to that person, because I admire their <laughs> willingness to create a tribute to this episode. It's so. kind of like
1: why we both bought um, Tom Paris Threshold action figures where he's that alien sort of guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: like okay. if they put out a fight Chakotay figure, I would probably buy it.
1: Okay. Okay. How much? Yeah. Would, what would uh, the top price that you would pay? $10. Okay. <laughs> No more, no more. Okay, Playmates, get on it. (laughs) So, uh, I
0: think here I'm going to throw in a Discovery episode. Not a lot of those to choose from, but I think the Sanctuary from Season 3. Okay, like, they introduced Book at the start of Season 3, and we're like, oh, this character seems to have some interesting quirks to him. He has some sort of magic powers that are environmental uh, in scope, it seems. And you're like, when is this guy going to get his own episode to really do something with him and develop him? And we got the sanctuary with his brother and, like, locusts or something on a
1: planet. And you're like... His quote-unquote
0: brother. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, this is the book story we were waiting for. It's kind of like, um... It's like in season one when they keep uh, sidelining Saru throughout the season. And then they give you C.V. Pockum Parabellum. And you're like, really? Yeah. Like, that's what
1: you had? So, yeah, the sanctuary I'm slotting in here. Yeah, I have this one, like, low as well. It's just so boring. The stakes are very low, too. We have the Orion antagonists randomly show up, I guess, to offer some stakes, and that's when Detmer gets behind the wheel and cures herself magically of PTSD because she's put herself in an incredibly stressful situation. I don't think that's how PTSD therapy works at all, and we never hear of her PTSD ever again yeah yeah like it does it's, a disservice um, to both those characters both uh book and detmer
0: yeah it was an episode that i remember when we were covering season three discovery which was definitely a, a rocky journey for us but it was one where when i finished that episode and i looked at my notes and knew we were you know hopping on the zoom call or zencaster call to to record that episode i'm like oh
1: no we don't have a lot with this one that, that's always the worst So Cam, uh, next up for me uh, I I feel kind of torn like whether I have it too high or too low here because it is campy in a way that TNG usually is not campy, but it also has one of those elements in which the character that the episode is focused on loses all agency and just starts acting wacky because of a space alien. And this, of course, is Sub Rosa. I have it 13. It doesn't make it into the top 10 because it's too interesting. Like if somebody turned Sub Rosa on, I would not have a problem watching it because it's just so all over the place and it essentially culminates with you know uh dr crusher's dead grandmother getting out of her grave and shooting lightning bolts at and data i'm all for that like that is just crazy so it's entertainment value for me even though it just makes me roll my eyes so much where you know it's, it's just crusher is overtaken by an alien entity and she has to quit starfleet all because of that to go live on planet scotland (laughs)
0: Well, it has those elements, too, that, like, it's doing things you never, ever see on Star Trek, and we don't really ever see again other than, like, Janeway doing her, like, um, gothic lit, um, you know, cosplay stuff. Uh, this episode goes for it, so I'll give it that, because... I mean, it's like Threshold. It doesn't hold back on the weirdness. So there's a lot to, you know, quote or and I think you and I reenacted a scene from this episode at some point (laughs) in this podcast history, which was fun. Um, Not not in real life, just
1: for the podcast. So uh, people (laughs) are clear about that. I was dressed as a giant candle at the time. I'm
0: not sure why. Um, But uh, yeah, like there's a lot here that's very memorable to me. So I can totally understand this one ranking number 13. Um, Boy, now we're getting to the really tough ones where they start to kind of... It's like, which is the worst of the worst here? Um, I think I'm going to knock off And the Children Shall Lead here from TOS. Uh, There's another TOS episode I'm leaving for a while. But um, this one is where the kids, the telepathic kids, take over the ship. And (laughs) one of my favorite things about this episode is, like, McCoy's great concern for the children's PTSD. Which it's like, you never think of McCoy as, like, the ultimate children's doctor. But in this one, he's just, like, so concerned and so obsessed. But it's just a really, it's that classic thing that happens on Season 3 TOS where you could tell they're cutting a budget. It's like, okay, come up with a concept. Telepathic kids. Okay, cool. Now let's just have them wander the Enterprise for a full hour. That's your episode. Well, so, it's Kirk yeah. the
1: social worker, essentially, right? It's like, yes. Yeah. It's not all that compelling to watch. No. Does how? I don't know if this one necessarily makes me angry. It's just kind of like it's one of those who cares sorts of episodes, you know?
0: Yeah, it, it totally is, and there's episodes from TOS that are just full-blown goofy and weird and stupid like this. But this one just kind of makes it seem dull by the end, which I think is its biggest sin.
1: Okay, well, an episode that makes me angry, Cam. All I have to say is Masaka. You know what I'm talking about. Masks. This is uh, from the last season of TNG, where they're kind of, um, you know, running on fumes at this point, you could tell at, at moments throughout the final season's run. Uh even the writers admit they have no idea what any of it means. It's just like random Aztec-esque sort of imagery starts taking over the ship and replacing things. There are like swamps and 10 forward we're told. And how, how is this episode even resolved? Cam, do you recall? Uh, no, not really. Exactly. It's very
0: confusing. It's almost, it's, um, it's like
1: uh, Picard walks up to Masaka that's taking Data's for, uh, form. They have like a reenactment and or something and then like everything goes back to normal. It, it's it's so stupid. This
0: episode is gibberish. Like, yes. It's an episode that feels like they just stopped writing it halfway through and the actors just kind of improv their way to the end <laughs> because none of it makes any sense. There's that episode in season two, The Royale, which I often like to cite where it's kind of the you know casino planet they go down to, and it's so confusing. It doesn't make any sense. And at the end, you have Picard and Riker together in Picard's ready room. And you know I think Riker says, like, what's that all about? And Picard's like, we may never know. That's what this episode feels like. Masks, to me, feels like an episode where at the end, they might as well just say, we may never know what that was all about. Because it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the writers feel- had a
1: clue. No one's ever ventured to try to decipher it because no one cares about this one. Yeah so uh, where is the uh, yeah yeah top 10 bottom
0: 10 whatever you want to call it and at number 10 I have the muse from ds9 now this on the face of it should actually be lower this is the episode where Jake is inspired to write by this I guess sort of like succubus alien sort of thing or whatever incubus I, don't, I can't remember the difference there I think but succubus. um yeah is it succubus yeah um so My issue with this one is that it's brutal. All the Jake stuff is awful. That should rank it way lower. But the B-plot where you have a Odo-Loxana story, which I know was everyone's favorite uh, B-plot they could get on a DS9 episode. This one actually has some kind of touching moments. I actually think it's handled fairly well. So that drags it just to the 10 mark as opposed to ranking lower for me.
1: Yeah, again this one just defaults to that thing that I always hate where a character kind of loses their faculties, uh, doesn't have any agency and is at the mercy of some sort of alien being that has overtaken them. And this is like th- this is definitely worthy of being the bottom 10 of all of Star Trek for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. All right, sir. Uh, I'm going with the one that it, I definitely recall it made us angry when we watched it. Just a few months ago. This is Sukal from uh, Star Trek Discovery, in which we're introduced to Radioactive Man Boy for the very first time. I will say this there were some interesting things in which they land in that kind of holographic sort of world that Sukal, the Kelpian Radioactive Man Boy, has been living in for the last 150 years since the burn. And we see some characters appear as, or some uh, actors appear as different species, which is kind of interesting. You know, like Doug Jones gets to play a human. Um, I thought that was fine. The rest of this episode, like it's just like eye roll after eye roll. And especially when you're you're leading up to this and you realize like, um, this is where the last few episodes of this season is going. Like it's all been building up to this. Like this makes me angry.
0: Yeah, because it's the sort of thing where All season long, Burnham's like, we have to find the source of the burn. That's going to save everything. And then you find out it's this. And it's like, that is what Burnham has been talking about for the last, like, 10 episodes or whatever it is. And I remember just watching this episode. And it was the first episode of Discovery where I had the sort of experience I had watching an episode, say, like, the fight from Voyager. Where I'm just, like, feeling punished sitting through that hour of television. And that's the only episode of Discovery that did that to me. So uh, I'm very happy that it ranked within the uh, bottom 10 here.
1: Yeah. Okay, sir. Uh, What is next uh, on the list?
0: Oh, boy, do we have a collection left here. (laughs) Um, I think for number eight... God. Um, And I just want to say I feel very bad for the character of Deanna Troy right now. I think I'm going to put the child here which is the awful season two
1: premiere where she's impregnated premiere people this is a premiere episode yeah no kidding like this is not how you kick off your season writers
0: strike or not (laughs) and we get you know her child ian who has the very quick life and i kind of don't understand the point of this episode uh troy is just again impregnated against her will which is the sort of decision that in maybe in 1988 they're like yeah this is a good idea really good idea here guys uh boy has that aged like soggy bread and it's just kind of a drag to sit through
1: yeah speaking of drags to sit through i'm gonna put the alternative factor here uh the the never-ending lazarus stuff with kind of that um i guess psychedelic look to it like Cam, I, I try not to do this, but um, this episode got me looking at my phone uh, every once in a while while I was going through this. This one mm-hmm. just, this might be, uh, out of the remaining ones that we have less uh, left, this might be the biggest like slog of an episode. The other ones just make me angry because of the active um, decisions going on through the characters and how it all came to be. This one is just so, so boring. So boring. I never need to see it again.
0: And I remember watching it the first time. And just I was super into all the TOS episodes I've been viewing leading up to this, even one like Return of the Archons, for example, which is not one of my favorites. I would be like, oh, this has some really cool concepts that, you know, I wish had been done better. But oh, well, this one, I'm like, I don't even understand what the concepts are. This is gibberish. Like, again, this was sort of one of those episodes like um, masks where it feels like it was just kind of made up on the spot and is just really confusing. And I hate those psychedelic sequences. In my mind, they're probably far longer than they actually are, but they feel like an eternity. And you were saying this one feels long. It is probably the longest episode on, you know, uh, this far down the list because TOS episodes did run longer. So, yeah, punishing stuff. Get your money's worth, though, people. Yeah. (laughs) Better
1: bang for your buck.
0: Yeah. So, okay, for number six, I think I'm going to throw in Meridian here.
1: Meridian? That's where I would have had it, too.
0: Yeah, this is a D, uh, DS9 one, and I forgive people if they just don't really remember this one, but it's the holographic like people that Jadzia falls in love with one of them. Um, that stuff's bad enough, and we can talk about the character stuff there, but also it's the whole side plot with Quark wanting to create the sex program that looks like Kira... Not a great episode for your female characters, DS9.
1: Not at all. The, the one redeeming factor, though, it is the first appearance of one Jeffrey Combs. He's the uh, sex fe- sex pest that is going after Kira's image. It's really unsettling. And this one made me angry. Uh, this might have been the first Deep Space Nine episode that made me angry while I was watching in real time. Because Jadzia was going to throw her entire life away to go to this planet that's jumping between kind of dimensions every 60 years. She's going to throw her entire life away just to be with this guy that she's known for, I think, four days or something. Mm. And I'm just like, it, like that makes me angry when we see characters do that to themselves. It also kind of demeans them in, in that, like, you, you know, like if your character's biggest dilemma is centered around um, how they value themselves in terms of who their partner is, like that just kind of... Um, lowers their own personal value as well and that, that's just kind of it, it this episode really irked me that she would consider leaving everyone behind just for this bro that she's known for mere days
0: do you have any memories of at the time if this episode was one that people were like really annoyed about uh, by i i don't
1: um you know but like the fact that it kind of lives on and it's been ranked or rated so low by imdb users i, I think at the time people must have been really annoyed by it Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah, Cam, uh, no question here. Uh, profit and Lace, perhaps the most uncomfortable episode of Deep Space Nine ever to watch in which we have uh, Quark undergo a sex change in order to get some sort of business deal done. He, it, we. It, this is a very dark episode. Uh, his, his problems with Moogie are exposed in a way that's just very uncomfortable to watch, but just the way that they... Um, and look, I, I realize like, you know, 25 years ago, uh, people had very different views on kind of like, like um, you know, like uh, the spectrum of sexuality and how we identify, but this is just not the way that you uh, treat it. Like, I, I, I think you've kind of said like, oh, it's kind of their version of some like at Hots. I just, it, 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 this one has not aged well. This one makes me angry and uncomfortable to watch it. I, I don't think, it's interesting because like, uh, I believe Siddig El Fidil, directed this one and he and armin shimmerman were in agreement about how it it should be more of a darker episode and how the performances come out whereas the writers are like no this is supposed to be a wacky fun episode and what you get is just like this amorphous mishmash of an episode tonally and it shows like this episode just does not work from the script level to the performances and everything and you know as i say If it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I wonder also if um, Mrs. Doubtfire is an influence on this one, given the timeline, because that's 93, right?
1: Um, But it's an episode that... Yeah, I was wondering why Cork was trying to start his own children's show in this one.
0: (laughs) He was like, hello! (laughs) Yeah, um,
1: (laughs) I I remember
0: (laughs) vividly the experience of watching this episode for the first time, and that I was working a job I was not a fan of that had graveyard shifts, and I would come home... And I would curl up in bed and watch an episode of DS9 before I went to sleep at, you know, noon or 11 a.m., somewhere around there. And I had been working my way through, and even the weaker DS9 episodes, I was still really enjoying because of the characters. And I remember this episode just, like, laying there. I'm exhausted. I'm not in the best of states. And I'm watching Profit and Lace, and I remember it just feeling like an eternity. It's one of those episodes (laughs) that... Just was like, when will it end? Because I'm not laughing. I'm not into anything it's doing. Just please, God, end. And I, I did revisit it once for the podcast, but other than that, I can't really see myself watching it again.
1: Yeah, it, maybe if Deep Space Nine ever does like a a high def render, you might just tune in to I don't know, see Corks Lobes look that much smaller following his procedure. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, So we mentioned a really egregious um, Deanna Troy episode fairly recently. I've got another one, The Loss, where she loses her telepathic powers. What an uncomfortable episode because it's a character who's losing her powers. And I think there's something to that within the realm of Star Trek, how you could tackle how she has to adapt to these situations. It is not that episode. It just is an episode that leads to a lot of, like, fighting And a lot of just characters acting very differently than they normally would week to week. It's very unpleasant to watch, I find.
1: Well, just her reaction where she says to her crew, her friends, how do you people live like this? Because they don't have, you know, the the same powers that she does. And it's just like, you're... You would think that uh, a counselor, somebody who's known for her empathy, that would still be able to pull through the character's personality, whether they have uh, empathic powers or not. And it it really does a disservice to Deanna Troy. And honestly, it's just like what is, it like. Okay, so you have uh, Face of the Enemy. What's the next best Troy episode, Cam?
0: Um, God, I mean, I don't know. Is maybe Menage à Troy? That one's okay. maybe. I don't know. It's kind of a fun two-hander in parts with her and um Major barrett is, is that the second i don't know is there something else i'm uh, missing
1: uh cost of living that's more of a loxana episode than a deanna troy episode though but she yeah um tin man the the one where they have that kind of like uh organic alien and uh harry grainer is kind of the uh the guest star
0: sure sure, sure. tin man i don't um, know it's yeah. not good.
1: It, it, she does not have much to choose from. Like it, it's just like the the writer should be ashamed of this. Was the price a de- it was a de episode, wasn't it? Um, I guess so because they're negotiating for the Barzan wormhole, and she had that other empath, uh, that other Beta Zoid negotiator. I guess so. Yeah, uh, that might be up there. It's not a very good episode.
0: No, none of these are uh, highlights other than Face of the Enemy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, sir, uh, next on my list, um, okay, speaking of Deanna Troy, Mm. um, this is Man of the People in which it all centers around, yet again, uh, her being assaulted telepathically, kind of one of those Dorian Gray homages. Um, Again, she's not acting like herself, and we have somebody taking advantage of her. It takes the agency away from her. I hate everything about it, from the way that they treat the character to the way that they go about storytelling. It's just, it is awful like this is an episode that makes me angry
0: this is one i've only watched once i can't (laughs) i can't promise i'll ever watch it again but it's one that also was just a total slog and i found very just uncomfortable to watch and again this is being written in the 90s versus you know viewing it in uh, probably 2015 or 16 when i watched it but It has aged really horribly in terms of how it treats the Deanna Troy character. I don't know if that was viewed that way, the same way back in the 90s when it aired, but just a toxic, kind of gross episode.
1: All right, sir. Uh, We are really into the thick of it here. Yeah. Uh, What's next? So I think for the
0: number two spot, these are the voyages from Enterprise. Um, Look, it, it landed number two. We all know how horrible it is and what it does to the trip character, um, the fact that even for its central story, it's just not in, in any way interesting with this like gem that um Shran has to get back. Uh, I don't even know what to make of this as a finale for Enterprise. And I think if this had just fallen as a random episode in the season, it would probably not land at number two. But being the finale and being kind of an insult to Enterprise, to what that show was building towards by the end, and then just kind of, I don't know building it around a Pegasus. Pegasus, Basically, it doesn't even feel
1: to me like a Pegasus wraparound. It feels like Pegasus cosplay. (laughs) Sure, with like uh, Riker and Troy not necessarily resembling their old selves from about uh, 10 years earlier. This is not super far
0: off from something that might happen at Star Trek Las Vegas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> Poor Frakes and Certus. Uh, I won't tell them that you said that. Um, look, okay, we talked about it a couple months ago when we were discussing the series finales, and we asked ourselves, like, what is the worst series finale? Is it, is it Turnabout Intruder, or is it These Are the Voyages? And ultimately, we decided it had to be These Are the Voyages, because Turnabout Intruder didn't necessarily um, stain the legacy of the series, where I think that Voyages really did stain the legacy of uh, Enterprise, in, in which you know, if you're trying to recommend it to friends, a lot of people say like, you know, wait until you get to season three; it just really ratches it up to uh, a next level. And then a lot of people are like, well, how does it end? They, they always want to know how a show ends. Like, do they, uh, you know, thread everything together? How does it work? Um, you can't really say that about enterprise here and that's why i think you and i would prefer to think of you know say an episode like uh demons you know Mm -hmm. as like the real finale like i i think that kind of works for me better
0: it it's very telling that like turnabout intruder has like a 6.9 on imdb versus this episode which has a 5.3 like it shows you that it actually angered people versus one that just people just rolled their eyes at
1: Okay, sir. So for number one, I have to give it to it's not going to shock many people, but uh, and we might have a bit of a surprise coming up as well, but uh, this is Code of Honor, the notoriously racist season one episode in which this is essentially Tasha Yar's only standalone episode. And I don't blame Denise Crosby for doing this one and then being told to say aye aye, Captain, for many episodes after that, that she kind of wanted out of the game here at this point. This one is just like notoriously bad it uh it's just uh, it's very much a kind of threshold territory in, in which like fans just absolutely hate it um but also it would be very problematic even trying to um, honor this episode at a convention in any way like doing cosplay uh whereas I think you could get away with threshold cosplay there's just nothing redeemable about this episode and at least some of the uh, uh, bad episodes we've talked about like say I don't know the muse you know or even um, Sukal, they had some sort of redeeming factors. I-, I can't name a single redeeming factor about this number one worst episode, Code of Honor. Well, like some of the really terrible ones we've talked about, fans have taken ownership over.
0: As we said, people are dressing up as the Edo and running around, you know, a la Justice. A lot of these episodes have spawned elements that people kind of dig into and enjoy. Whereas, like, I mean, maybe I once saw someone doing Tasha Yar. Uh, like, fighting cosplay, whatever the outfit she wears in the fighting scene here, maybe. But, like, other than that, there's just, like... And I'm that's a guess that I maybe even saw this in my life, but there's nothing in this episode for fans to hold on to other than just, like, the racism in the episode, which is unbelievable. I remember, um... This is one that I believe Jonathan Frakes called, like, just, like, a racist piece of fill-in-the-blank for yourself. Like, no one has a sense of humor about it. I've heard um star trek you know celebs say make fun of masks for example or i've heard them reference threshold and just kind of roll their eyes but no one rolls their eyes at this episode they actively try to separate themselves from it
1: i don't blame them though yeah so uh, cam that can't possibly be the worst episode of, of star trek can it well it is because i think everything we've
0: talked about are episodes of star trek are you saying there was a one-hour filler
1: slot that maybe occupies a separate territory? Something that doesn't even deserve a number sh- should yeah. be relegated to the to zero. Not even like a a, a thirty-five uh, through one sort of ranking.
0: Yes, I think there is an episode, and one that I may have at one point in my life done a commentary for. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, Cam. What is this? This is Shades of Grey from TNG. It's when it came it's a to, clip show. It's, it's a, a clip, clip show. show. And and nothing happens. It's just Riker laying on a bed the whole time while um, Pulaski and Troy just kind of stare at him and ponder, what could he be thinking? Um, <laughs> which is what I wonder about the uh, people that assembled this episode. What were they thinking? There's just nothing to it. And like when I was looking at my list... It was in some ways hard for me to hold Shades of Grey as being worse than, I don't know, Man of the People. I watch Shades of Grey, I'm like, well, like, it's a clip show, what do I expect? Versus a Man of the People that I find awful to sit through. But, like, this isn't an episode of Star Trek, it's a nothing. It doesn't even deserve to be held in that 35 ranking.
1: Well, let's say somebody handed you, I don't know, like, a vinyl record where somebody's reading a script for Star Trek, and they called it canon. Um, like... We wouldn't necessarily rank that. It wouldn't deserve being ranked here on our list, even though somebody called it canon, because it, it's it's not even like a part of like the television medium. It's like um completely like uh deprived of any sort of value kind of narrative storytelling here. It is just like literally uh a labor. Uh, strike broke out within the writers back in the '80s, and they couldn't come up with anything other than to do a clip show. And it's just like there's no redeeming value to watching like us just see clips of, you know, remember that time? You have that memory, and it's also hilarious. And like all of Riker's most important memories across his entire life, they all took place over the last two years while he was aboard the Enterprise D, which is <laughs> it's just so stupid as well. They could have figured something out, but again, um, let's just. Think about it this way. Like I, I've said how I hate it if our characters have no agency. Well, Riker's agency evaporates, because he just he gets a leg wound in a forest and he's just laying on a bed the entire episode having memories. They're, they're, this is complete trash. This is also Pulaski's final appearance on the show
0: and oh, the God. series, I should say. So, like... Like talk about the worst farewells. You know, we obviously slagged the trip farewell in these are the voyages, But like Pulaski really got the unceremonious exit here where it's not even ever acknowledged anything that ever happened to that character. So that is always really graded on me as well. Um this is an episode also. So many people, you know, get into Star Trek later in life. Um, we're gonna have new generations who start watching Star Trek. You know, my friend's son is working his way through you know the original series and we'll be going on to TNG and onwards but like how do you show an episode like this to a kid now these shows don't exist the clip show was like filler content that you and I were saddled with in our youth where you'd run home to watch an episode of the Simpsons and it was a clip episode like what is shades of gray to like a 12 year old Star Trek fan now
1: Do you remember that episode of Community that essentially destroyed the whole conceit of a clip show? Because all the characters kept saying, hey, remember that time when? And they did the typical like clip show sort of sound effect and kind of almost like foggy sort of uh, sepia tone. And it was all brand new scenes that the writers had written for this. And it was just like it was really subverting the idea of entire clip show. And I don't think anybody's really been able to do that any like clip show since then it's just not something would you ever have like a clip show on like a streaming service like no these things don't exist and it's like as you said cam right from the start this is not an episode of star trek by the way that we fairly judge them
0: yeah and i actually also always think of the clerks animated series where the second episode of the series was a clip episode showing scenes from the previous episode the pilot of the show which was actually pretty funny as well. That's that's uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good joke. Um but yeah, like this episode is just completely irrelevant to the franchise. It I again, it it doesn't even make any sense anymore in a world where people just binge these shows. So I imagine that Shades of Gray has a rich history ahead of it of being skipped over on people's watch lists. Yeah.
1: Well, Cam, uh, there, there's a couple se- special mentions that I, I want to throw out there. Like episodes I think were terrible. It's just IMDb users did not necessarily think that they were as bad as maybe I did. Um, I, I've got Turnabout Intruder. Uh, you know, for the series finale of TOS. I have The Enemy Within, in which we literally have to watch like this alternate version of Kirk try to sexually assault um, Janice Rand, which was incredibly uncomfortable. Not just to watch it. Uh, without context, but knowing the context in which that actress departed the series, which is just horrible to uh, read into. You know, it's just like, yikes. Um, Unexpected from uh, Enterprise, that is terrible, just terrible garbage. And then Fury, which this is not how you send off a character. And that's the character, of course, of Kes. You know, I I thought that The Gift was an okay way to manage her... um, you know, uh, departure from the show. But if this is Kes as we know her, it's just it's terrible, terrible to see how they treat the character like this.
0: Yeah, um, poor Kes. Kind of like Deanna Troy got a, got a number of bad episodes that she did not deserve. For me, um, there's a couple TOS ones that I would have thrown on the list. Uh, The Omega Glory, I think it's absurd that it is not in contention for this ranking system. Like, I think the Omega Glory is worse than Spock's Brain, Children, Way to Eden. I think Omega Glory is just unbelievably bad. I'm also not in any way a fan of The Empath from Season 3. I find that episode a real slog to get through. TNG, I had Up the Long Ladder. That's one that really stands out to me. Cost of Living is a pretty horrible episode that... I can understand maybe why fans just gave it the bump out of the contention sort of thing, but it's one that kind of like Sub Rosa. I think it's a horrible episode that has some iconic things to it, like the Wind Dancer, but as an episode, it's brutal. <laughs> um, also, the Dauphin is pretty dire as well. Um yeah, I mean, and there's violations as well. There's other episodes that are pretty bad. Um, I I was blanking on one Tyler that had a low score. It was just it was a six point two versus you know being included as a six point one. But I couldn't really remember the episode too well. It was a DS nine one second sight.
1: Uh well, I, I'm get I'm getting it mixed up because there's uh isn't second skin like the one where uh, uh Kira wakes up on uh Cardassia to see that she has been uh overtaken or she has like her uh body changed to Cardassian I think second sight okay I think I actually just watched it uh, in my recent Deep Space Nine rewatch I think it's where um uh Cisco encounters like this attractive woman on the station and it's oh, like yeah. um then he there's a visiting scientist and his wife is identical to this woman and Cisco can't figure out why this wife is going on dates with him and like you find out like it's like this alien that keeps manifesting like a different form so one manifestation is dating Cisco and the other is like the scientist's wife It's 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 not a very good episode I'll say this though you could tell that they put a ton of production values into this one because you get to see um, Deep Space Nine from the point of view of the pylon. They go to the very top of one of the pylons and take a look at the station from that angle, which we've never seen before. That was pretty cool. And they also put a lot of big dollars into the scientist spaceship, like the sets for that. But I think they wanted to go big with like kind of a romance story for Cisco. Make sure that he's just not going to be kind of this widower who never uh, gets any action. But this episode is, it's not good, especially when you consider, you know, all the money that they poured into it.
0: Yeah, and I just want to uh, confirm you are correct as to that was the
1: episode you're talking was about. Was it? Okay. Second Side. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so cool. you, you heard me hemming and hawing for a few minutes as I was trying to, like, figure out.
0: <laughs> That's what I, I was... It,
1: like, it, it rang a bell once you brought it up, and I think it's because I just watched it, like, fairly recently.
0: Yeah, that's one that um, I was like, as soon as I looked that one up, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all flood- flooding back into my mind. Also, precious cargo from Enterprise wasn't included, which I'm like, really? That's that, a pretty that's terrible That's not one. a good episode, yeah. yeah. I'm actually, i am actually,
1: I told you this uh, off air, but just for listeners. So I, I recently finished um, season three of Deep Space Nine. Next up for me is going to be season four. I know I can do math, people. There you go. But um, I looked at, like, the list of episodes coming up in season four, and it's like 12 or 13 episodes, depending on how you want to count Way of a Warrior, uh, of just awesome adventures until you get to, like, one of a kind of a a lame sort of episode. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to heating up uh, season four of Deep Space Nine. Like, the show really gets into a groove, um, I think. You know, uh, they kind of know what works and what doesn't work after those first three seasons, and I, I i don't know i give me my uh remastered hd versions of deep space nine people i will pay for them believe me <sighs> fingers crossed well i think on that note
0: our assignment is complete if you enjoyed listening to this podcast we want to hear from you jump on over to the facebook page at facebook.com slash subspace pod do you agree with our worst rankings do you have some episodes that you think should be on this list let us know tyler what are we doing next week
1: yeah, we are coming back after uh, we, we had uh, vacations to go to. Uh, and we are coming back with the reviews of Episode 2 and 3 of Star Trek Lower Deck. So by the time you hear this one, yeah, I get it. You'll, you've will you already know what uh, Episode 2 is like. Um, I'm hoping it'll be a big bounce back from that premiere that you and I weren't super big fans of. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing kind of a doubleheader uh, just next week.
0: Okay, so you can, of course, find us on the Twitter. I'm at Cam, V is in violations,
1: add it to the list, Smith. And you can find me at Reportin, that's R-E-P, P is in profit and lace, can't emphasize enough how angry this episode makes me, O-R-T-O-N.
0: Okay, so until next time, the arena is closed.
1: Shining all around me and say,
0: I'm here, I'm here in the good land, in the new land. Transfer complete.